We turn now in sacred scripture to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, and we read starting at verse 17 through the end of the chapter. Paul here is on his way back to Jerusalem at the end of his third missionary journey, and he makes a pit stop, as it were, in Miletus to visit with the elders of the church at Ephesus. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. And from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations or trials, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me, or will stay with me, or wait for me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves. And to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that 
so laboring, ye ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. So far we read God's holy and infallible word. The text this morning is verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, as I said, here at the end of Acts chapter 20, we find the Apostle Paul at the end of his third missionary journey. At the beginning of his third missionary journey, Paul had spent three years laboring in the church at Ephesus, building up the church, serving the people, and also strengthening the churches in the surrounding area. Now, having spent three years in the church at Ephesus, you can understand how there was a strong and special bond that developed between the apostle and the church at Ephesus. And so now as Paul is sailing back to Jerusalem on the Mediterranean Sea, and he's sailing past Ephesus, he makes a point of it, to meet one last time with the elders and encourage them in their work. After this, Paul will arrive at Jerusalem He will be thrown into jail, and eventually he will be carried as a prisoner all the way to Rome, where he will appear before Caesar. In the passage that we read, we see just what Paul has to say to the elders at Ephesus. He meets with them, he encourages them in their duties, and as we read in the text, he exhorts them to take heed to themselves and to take heed to the entire congregation and to feed the flock over which God has made them overseers. Well, beloved, these are not only appropriate words that that Paul would give to the saints, to the elders at Ephesus, but this is a fitting word also for us as a church this morning, and especially on the occasion of the installation of office bearers, two new elders and two new deacons. Elders, this is especially a good word for you this morning. The word that Paul speaks Here is a word from God for you this morning. In congregation, this is a word for all of us, applying this to ourselves, taking heed to ourselves, but also for all of us who are under the authority of the elders, this word comes to us. We are to recognize that the elders in the church are overseers. They are to feed the flock, and they have been appointed by the Holy Spirit himself. Congregation, you are to know what the elders' responsibilities are. You are to encourage them in those responsibilities, and you are to hold them accountable for their responsibilities. And then also this, you are to understand that the elders are overseers. They have the calling to oversee you and to care for your souls as those that will have to give an account to their Lord. And you have also the calling to submit to their authority and their good instruction. 
And there are a few very pertinent passages in Scripture that teach us these things. We have the installation of deacons also this morning, but this morning we're going to focus on the elders and their calling and duty is, and, and their calling and duty, and especially what their calling is to feed the flock of God. That's our theme this morning, the elders' calling to shepherd the flock of God. We look at three things. First, we look at the high calling. Second, we look at the required seriousness. And then third, we look at the only possibility. We look first at the high calling that is given to elders. And when we look at that high calling, we can look at that high calling from two points of view. First, we can consider what the office itself is, what the position is that the elders have been installed into. And then second, we can also look at the actual duties that that office involves. Those are the two things we'll look at. When a man is installed as an elder in the congregation, that man is being appointed by God to a particular office, a particular position in the church, the office of elder. Now, for an elder and for all of us to know what the elder's office is, we must first know what the church itself is, the church where that office is held. In the text, the apostle uses that word, church, to feed the church of God. That word church in the text, as well as in other passages in the New Testament, is the word ecclesia, ecclesiology. It's the word that literally means called out ones. The church is the assembly of called out ones, those whom Jesus Christ has called out of the world to be separate from the world spiritually and to be His people, to be His body, to be His possession. That very word church then implies the the reality of election because the church is the gathering of those individuals whom Christ has called out of the world and these are the very same people whom God has ordained from eternity to be the people of Christ. They are the elect. God gave them to Christ in eternity. Christ died for them on the cross and then by His own powerful call, He calls them out of the world and he joins them to himself. Christ's sheep hear his voice, and he knows them, and they follow him. And that's the church. And the point is, this is where the elders have their office, in the assembly of God's precious, chosen, beloved people. In the text, the apostle also uses the word flock to describe the church. We read, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock. The church is called a flock. And the church is called a flock for a number of reasons. First, because this best describes the nature of the people of God whom the elders are to oversee. The people of God are sheep. They are a flock. And the Scriptures uses this figure often. Just one passage, Luke 12, verse 32. Jesus says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And the reason the apostle uses this word flock in the text is because the word is a term of endearment, a term expressing love and affection. In fact, the word that Paul chooses is a diminutive so that it could even be translated as little flock or dear flock. 
And this is not, first of all, Paul's attitude towards the church, but this is God's attitude towards the church. The church is God's little flock, his dear flock. This is where the elders have their office, and the deacons as well. Among the dear, precious flock of God. The term flock is, also expresses the unity of the people of God. They are one flock. They stand together and they stay together. Their life is one. And the overseers also keep that in mind. To be able to look at the church as a whole and keep the best interests of the church as a whole in mind as they serve each individual sheep. And this term flock also expresses the vulnerability of the sheep. It expresses the nature of the sheep, the the unity of the sheep, and the vulnerability of the sheep. The church is made up of sheep. Weak, defenseless sheep. Sheep who are stubborn by nature. Sheep who are no match for a lion or a bear. And sheep who therefore need oversight, who need a shepherd. The church beloved, needs oversight. You, as members of the church, and I also, as sheep, need government and supervision. We need that. That's part of the reason God calls us to join ourselves to the instituted church. We need oversight, just as sheep need oversight. Well, Jesus, of course, is the great shepherd of the church. He's the great office bearer of the church, Jesus loves the church. She is his little flock. But Jesus also uses means, and he's pleased to appoint under-shepherds. Under-shepherds to oversee the flock on his behalf, to love the sheep, to guide the sheep, to protect the sheep, and to defend the sheep. And that's why Jesus has ordained the office of elder in the church, to oversee his precious flock. This, then, is the position or the office of the elder. To use the language of the text, he is an overseer. In the church, among God's precious sheep, an elder is an overseer. And that word overseer in the text is translated in other passages of the New Testament with the word bishop. An overseer and a bishop are the same thing. So, for example, in 1, Timothy, in 1 Peter 2, verse 25, we read this, For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Jesus is called there the shepherd and bishop of our souls. The word bishop is the same word, episkopos, episcopalian is where you get, that's where that word comes from. Overseer, bishop. 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 and 2, we read, This is a true saying, If any man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good thing. If any man desires the office of an overseer, that's the word. What then is the position of the elder, the office of the elder? Well, he is the representative of Christ, representing Christ in his kingly office. Jesus is the overseer, the bishop. And Christ appoints men to serve under him, as overseers, as bishops under him. Jesus is the one who calls men unto this office, and Jesus is also the one who qualifies and equips men for the office. Jesus is the one who gives the right to serve in that position. And Jesus even works through the hearts of the church, the members of the church, by the Holy Spirit, so that the church 
is guided to nominate and then elect the men whom Christ would have appointed to the office. It's a reminder that when we vote for office bearers, when we do any voting in the church, that's a very spiritual activity. It's a very, very spiritual activity. The man who is installed into the office of elder then is the representative of Christ. When he speaks, he speaks as the servant of Christ and with the words of Christ. When he rules, he's called to rule with the authority of Christ. He must have the mind of Christ, the humility of Christ, the holiness of Christ, the love of Christ. And the elder must be very conscious of this himself. He is Christ's servant and Christ's representative. He is always under Christ. And of course, the members of the church must view the office bearers and the elders the same way. To receive the elders as the representatives of Jesus, the Christ. When an elder speaks to you in his capacity as elder, he is speaking on Christ's behalf. And the members must have an attitude towards the elders that is in harmony with that thought. They are the representatives of Christ. They are to honor the elders under Christ. That doesn't mean that elders are infallible, but that does mean that attitude of honor and respect. Well, all of this makes then the calling of an elder a very high calling. All of this is meant to say, to, to amplify the calling of the elder, to rule, to oversee the precious flock of God. Well, that's not only when you look at the office, that, that's only when you look at the office of the elder, looking at things maybe a little abstractly, what their position is. But now, when you get more practical and you look at the actual duties that Christ assigns to the elder in that position, well, then you really see that this is a high calling indeed. In connection with the church itself, the text mentions three things, three different aspects of the elder's duty, and all of them are intimately connected to each other. First, I will point out the word overseer again. Oversee the flock. Watch the flock. That's the implied command in the word overseer. Watch the flock. And then second, at the very beginning of verse 28, take heed. Take heed to the flock. That is, be attentive. Observe. Analyze the flock. Know their needs. Take action accordingly. All the flock, the oldest and the youngest and all in between. And third, the duty is this, feed the flock. And that comes right from the text as well. Feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. And literally, the, that, I, that word feed there has the idea of to tend to or even to shepherd. Shepherd the flock as a shepherd might do. And, and that explains the theme for this morning's sermon, the elders calling to shepherd the flock of God. And perhaps that word shepherd really captures the essence of it all. Shepherd the flock of God. Oversee the flock, take heed to the flock, feed the flock. In the end, shepherd the flock of God. And that means a number of things. First, as a shepherd, the elder has the calling to know the church and, and the members of the church. Elders must know what's going on in the congregation. Elders must be aware of the lives of the people. Each sheep is different. 
Each sheep has his or her own personality. Each sheep has his or her own strengths and weaknesses and his or her own needs. The elders must know the sheep under their care. Know their personalities. Be among them. Interact with them. And I can say to the congregation, we've been emphasizing that again this past year with the district elders. Maybe I even said this last year or sometime in this past year, don't be surprised if you get a phone call from your district elder in the next month or so. The elders want to know you, and the elders want to see how you're doing. The elder must also know the perils that threaten the sheep, that would expose the sheep to danger. I think it's always very good when a church has elders that know the history of the families of the church so that they can help, right, to serve. They know the different friend groups in the church community so that they know who the sheep are. Just think of an actual shepherd, right? As a shepherd is grazing, as the sheep are grazing over the field, there you see the shepherd leaning on his staff, watching over his sheep. And he's observing the sheep. He's looking at each one, never overlooking any, but making sure he's up to date on how his sheep are doing so that he knows his sheep. As Proverbs 27 puts it, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. The context there, that the point of that proverb is a little different, but we can apply that certainly here as well. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flock of Christ's flock. Home visitation is very profitable, if only from this point of view. The elders get to know the sheep better. They get to know your living circumstances, what, what you're reading, or, or maybe how prominent, how, what your lifestyle is, and the challenges that you experience, and the joys you experience too. Second, as a shepherd, the elder not only has the calling to know the flock, but to feed the flock. Now, there's a difference. The, the form for ordination points out that difference between elders and ministers. The pastor, as teaching elder, is especially called to, to the work of feeding the church through the preaching, catechism instruction, teaching. But the elders are also called to this work. And elders feed the church in part by ruling over the preaching, supporting the preaching, calling the members seeing to it that the members are sitting under the preaching. That's how they feed the flock. But the elders also must themselves be those who are apt to teach, who are able to open the Word of God themselves and give counsel and instruction. Elders must also be able to explain decisions that have been taken. Really, elders should be able to answer very clearly the questions that members might have about even decisions taken at classes and synod, because those are our decisions. And elders must be able to teach and explain those decisions. That's their duty. Third, as a shepherd, the elder has the calling to rule and protect the members of the congregation. And we might even say, perhaps especially the ewes and the little lambs. Think of what an actual shepherd holds in his hand. A shepherd, a, a, a staff, and a rod. A staff to guide the sheep, to bring them in when they start straying away into dangerous territory, and then a rod to protect the sheep from the enemies, to fight the enemy on behalf of the sheep, to preserve their lives and, and to help them enjoy peace. 
That's what an elder must be as the representative of Christ. The elder must bring the sheep to green pastures, lead them beside still waters, and guide them. The elder holds the staff in his one hand and, and the rod in his other hand, and the sheep look to the elders, and the sheep are comforted. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And where the sheep are stubborn and go astray, the elder exercises loving patience, and he does all in his power to search out the strange sheep and bring it back into the fold. And where there are wolves, or where there might be goats, which are disturbing the flock, the elder deals with them appropriately. And that's just the instruction of the text regarding elders and their duties towards the sheep. The text gives even more instruction regarding their duties because it gives them their duties regarding themselves and the other elders. We read in the text, first of all, take heed therefore unto yourselves. It's striking that Paul says that first in the text, take heed therefore unto yourselves. And yet that's exactly right, isn't it? Because how can you watch over the flock if you're not first watching over yourself? How can you feed the flock if you're not feeding on the Word of God yourself? And that means first individually. The elder must take heed to himself. What's very sobering for the elder to think about is that he is but a sheep himself as well. I'm a sheep with, with the same kinds of tendencies that, that all the sheep have. That's striking. Certainly then, elders need to be carefully watching over themselves first. But then the idea of these words is also this, that the elders as a group, as a body of elders, take heed unto themselves as a group. In fact, that's the main idea in the passage. Paul is not talking here to individual elders, but he's talking to the body of elders Elders must examine themselves, take heed to yourselves as a body. And that's done continually. In one small way, it's done through censura morum. Or what's called, yeah, censura morum, censure of morals. Or perhaps better, examination of conduct. According to the church order, censura morum takes place four times a year at each, each council meeting. We're going to have it at the next council meeting at each council meeting just prior to the celebration of the Lord's Supper, the elders and the deacons together with the minister examine their work, and they take heed to themselves, determining how well they are carrying out their office. They go around the table, and they ask themselves questions like this. How can we do things better? Are we being faithful in all our duties? And then maybe an elder or a deacon will speak up and say, Brothers, I think we could be more faithful servants of Christ in this regard or serve the congregation better by doing this. Or maybe an elder or a deacon will say, Brothers, let us remind all of us that here too we have a calling to the church. I know I struggle in this area. I think we all could use a reminder. And then the elders and the deacons and the minister take heed to themselves. One of the things that we've been emphasizing lately it, as a council and as elders is the wisdom to meet and talk with people in pairs, not individually. So that for whatever interaction an elder might have with a member from church, there, there's someone else present. There's another elder present. It's just safer that way for everyone. That's more, a more profitable way 
to carry out the work. Well, this is the high calling of elders, to shepherd the flock of God. And this high calling requires seriousness. Both with the words of the text and with what Paul also says in the context, he emphasizes the utter seriousness and gravity of the elder's calling to shepherd the flock of God. First in the text, near the end of the text, we read, "...to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood." And that emphasizes the seriousness because the church is the church of God, which he has, which he has purchased with his own blood. The church is not your church. This church is not the elder's church. This church is certainly not the minister's church. It's God's church. And the church belongs to God because He purchased her with God's own blood. She was His elect and beloved bride from eternity. And in time, God came in the flesh and He shed His own blood for her sake. And that's kind of striking language, isn't it? Maybe as catechism students, we might say, well, God doesn't have blood, does He? God is pure spirit. So what we have in this passage then is a very clear verse that emphasizes the deity of Jesus. Jesus is God because Jesus was the one who shed his blood for the church. And here in the text it says, God shed his blood for the church. Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep, shedding his own blood on the cross to redeem her from all her sins to free her from the dominion of sin and to make her beautiful and give her eternal life. The church was purchased with the blood of Jesus and so the passage is emphasizing Jesus is God. The maker of heaven and earth, the creator of the universe, loved his flock, his church, so much that he took that great step of deep humiliation to come in our flesh, to come under the curse of the law and bear our sins in our place. And there on the cross 2,000 years ago was God shedding His blood for His people, that we might be His sheep, that we might be His children and His flock and enjoy His love. And God even ordained it this way so that you and I might see, when we look at the cross, the astounding love of our Creator our God for us. But the, point of the, but the point is this. Elders need to stand in awe of that reality. This is how much God loves His church. The very church that God is calling you to oversee and to shepherd. The church He calls you to lead and to guide and defend and protect. Do you see how serious the calling is? He loves no one as he loves his church. She is the apple of his eye. He covets her. He longs for her. He covets her love, her attention. He covets her purity. And he says to you, elders, watch over my beloved bride. I love her. I love her with a love that fills this entire universe and beyond. Shepherd her. Love her. Tend to her every need. Guard her from every foe. Guide her into every good and holy way. Bring her to me. Direct her love towards me. And always, always cause her to know how much 
I love her. This calling requires utmost seriousness. But there's more. Because that's in the text. When you look at the context to the verses that follow, you see how Paul continues to emphasize the seriousness of this calling. Verse 29, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Verse 30, Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. And in verse 31, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn everyone day and night with tears. Think of that. Beloved, I have not been here for three years. And I don't think that I've cried from off this pulpit. But this is what Paul did for the space of three years. Crying and warning the church because of his love for the church. The flock of God is always under attack. Satan loves to scatter the sheep. He loves to make them sick with spiritual illnesses and dirty water and parasites. And Satan has many different ways in which he attacks the church. False doctrine, yes. Also, drugs, alcoholism, all manner of sexual perversion, loose church attendance from week to week. And the elder must be informed. He must be watching. He must be aware of the different ways that Satan is attacking the flock. And the elders must warn, even as Paul did, by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone day and night with tears. Beloved, if the elders come to you and warn you about certain things, or maybe they even speak rather sharply or bluntly, don't brush it off. Maybe they're coming with tears, warning you, warning you. Take heed. That's part of their what they're supposed to do. The seriousness of the elders' calling is also emphasized by the fact that God takes special care. This is no light or flippant thing that God does when He appoints elders into the office or deacons into the office. God doesn't appoint them to the office flippantly. The Holy Ghost does this. He takes special care to do this. That emphasizes the seriousness as well. And that not only tells us about the seriousness of this calling, but as we move on, it also tells us about the only possibility for this calling and for carrying it out faithfully. The only possibility to carry out this high calling is that we know it's the Holy Ghost that has done this, and it is God, by His Holy Spirit, who is there to help, and who he equips the elder and the deacon for the work of the office. And when you think about that, that is powerful encouragement. That's where the elder finds his strength, his comfort, his courage to take up the work. He knows God himself has called me to this work. And so God himself also will qualify me and give me what I need to carry it out faithfully. Taking heed to myself, being in God's word myself, seeing Christ myself as the great office bearer, going forth, knowing this calling, knowing this office, I'm encouraged. He's going with me. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. 
The Holy Spirit has given you this calling. Paul says, though I am leaving you, and I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm not going to see you again in this lifetime, know this. The strength, the wisdom, the the discernment, and the courage you need as elders will be supplied in abundance by the Holy Spirit. Confide in Him. Depend on Him. Walk closely with Him as one of His sheep. And He will sustain you. That's a word of comfort and encouragement that God gives to you as elders this morning and also respectively to you as deacons in your calling. This is your comfort. This is your encouragement. God has appointed you to this work. And we will have challenges. But through those challenges, God will also show that this is His church. He is leading and He is faithful. God says, draw near unto me. Look unto me. Rely upon me, seek me, and I will draw nigh unto you, and I will show you my grace and my faithfulness. And this is why God does it the way that He does it. He does it through weak means, so that He might show that the church is His, and the love is His, and the power is His. God will show in concrete ways that the power and leading of the church, guiding the church, is not from below but it's from above. Beloved, rejoice in your God. Rejoice in His provision and His goodness. Be thankful for the office bearers that He supplies. Faithful office bearers are rare these days. Yes, they make inspection of you and your families, but that's Christ Jesus tending you. The work is hard. Oftentimes it can be discouraging. God is giving you faithful office bearers. Office bearers who take this instruction to heart. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Honor them. Use them. Enjoy them. And submit unto them as unto Christ. And elders and deacons know this, the calling is a high calling. It requires seriousness on your part, but it indeed is a privileged and blessed calling as well. In carrying out your office faithfully, God will cause you to grow in your own salvation and to enjoy great confidence in the faith. He will use this work, elders and deacons, for your own personal salvation your own holiness and sanctification. Finally, I will say this. This is the church that God loves. He loves her dearly. He purchased her with his own blood. And now he calls you to lead her, guide her, cherish her, protect her, and point her to fix her hope only on Jesus Christ, the great shepherd and bishop of her souls. Elders, shepherd, the flock of God. And deacons, carry out your work faithfully, reflecting Christ also. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank Thee again for Jesus Christ, who has made Himself our office bearer. We thank Thee for His rule and government over us, And we pray 
that we might see his rule and government clearly reflected in the offices and the office bearers that thou dost give us here in this local church. We pray, Lord, bless the office bearers. Strengthen them, encourage them, give them wisdom, give them the mind of Christ. Give them endurance and patience, give them contentment, give them all the fruits of the Spirit. And we pray that through them we might see rich and happy blessings being bestowed upon the church from thy right hand. Sustain them. May we, Lord, learn to pray for them ceaselessly. We pray, Lord, that we too might be sanctified, built up, and prosper in our Christian walk and life through these blessings thou dost bestow upon us, that we might be faithful ourselves with these riches and blessings from thy hand. Bless this preaching to our hearts and to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.